Welcome to another episode of the Programmatic Digest podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Parker, and today we have a special guest, Gulshan. How are you doing today? Hi, everyone. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I did pronounce your, your name correctly, right? Yes, yes, you did. Okay, good, good, because this whole week I was like, Gulshan, 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 Gulshan. <laughs> if your ears were buzzing, that was me practicing your name. <laughs> I did sneeze a few times this weekend. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. That was me. Totally, yeah. that was me. Sending you good vibes. So, <laughs> so Gulshan is working with a good friend of mine named Carlos. So shout out to Carlos for referring Gulshan. But you have such an interesting story and I've decided just to do the whole podcast around your story, how you started and, you know, where you are now in your career. Yeah. So how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? how you got started in the programmatic realm, because I know that that was not what you went to school for at first, isn't it? Yeah, no, I did not go to school for marketing at all. Actually, oh. I didn't even know marketing was an option. <laughs> uh, I had no idea because uh-huh. I was raised by my, both my parents are actually refugees. So mm-hmm. They came here in the 80s, and um, since then, they actually never really went to school. They worked blue-collar jobs and, you know, just like learning through the grapevine that the medical world was the only answer. So that's what they instilled into me was go into nursing, become a doctor, become like something in the medical realm. And... So I just did like my undergrad was just lots of trials and errors. I actually went to nursing school. I worked as a nurse in the operating room locally here. Um, And I was there for about two years and I was not feeling myself. I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) I think, wow. Cause it's so, pa- it's so fascinating because like, I mean, your story reminds me of like most of some of my family members and some of my friends that are from African descent, uh, their parents just immigrated for like, I immigrated from Senegal, but their parents immigrated from countries like Senegal, Ghana, Nigeria, things like that. And all of their parents expect them to be lawyers, doctors, <laughs> um, engineers, you know, those really I don't know. I guess there is seen more successful based on your revenue or your income a year, but I can definitely relate to that. Luckily, my parents were like, just finish school already and go make money. (laughs) So we don't have to support you. (laughs) So they were more lenient. Um, But anyway, I thought I thought it was really cool that I can I can I can relate. I realize that you're from Senegal. Yeah, born and raised Senegal, and then my really? origin, my Cape Verdean and Lebanese. Yeah. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is actually from Ethiopia. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, your dad is Ethiopian, in- and your mom is Cambodian. Cambodian. There you go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. By blood, though, he is Indian. Our family ended up in Ethiopia um, as. Um, to work as slaves pretty much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, <laughs> um, yeah, now we're here and, and yeah, um, it was really instilled in me to work, to be those like big name things, be a doctor, be something. And 
So I did work as a nurse and I specialized in neurosurgeries, orthosurgeries. I can, I did knee replacements, brain surgeries, spinal fusions, all of that. And I really enjoyed it, but the environment was very, was not for me. The, a lot of it was just not for me. And it wasn't until I met my husband who was like, why don't you take a step back and just like reassess the things you like, your passions, your interests. And it finally hit me all throughout my undergrad, college, like everything, even um, after college, working, working as a nurse, I always had a side job at Sephora and then Lancome. And then I ended up becoming the Western New York rep for Lancome. Oh, wow. And it was a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. My boss was amazing. And he was like, what's the one consistent thing in your life? And I'm like, oh my God, Lancome. I should see what they had to offer. And I spoke to my boss about it. And I was like, what did you do to get into this position? And she was like, I got into marketing. I, <laughs> and you should look into it. And that is what pushed me into going into grad school for marketing. And I fell in love with it. And um, it's funny falling into programmatic. I <laughs> had no clue what it was in school. The only thing they taught us about programmatic was this is programmatic. That could be a whole class. So we're just going to move on. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all I heard. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until I started looking for a job. I like was really trying to do a second round of soul searching, like trying to find what job would fit me most in marketing. Cause I was up for, to do anything. I'm like, give me whatever. I really just want to soak up whatever marketing can give me. And I was talking to my director at um, my graduate school and he was like, you excel in in analytics. You excelled in thinking creatively. Why don't you look into programmatic? It's brand new. Not many companies know what it is. And that's how I fell into it. And yeah, he knew me so well that I do, I really do love it. And the company I work for really took my nursing background and my like love for marketing and mushed it in together because I'm doing now doing programmatic for medical companies. And wow. yeah, that's how I fell into it. That's so interesting. We we offer two things, right? At, at Parker Consulting, we do education and then we do activation. The education piece comes into a course that you can buy, do on your own. And then we use the course material into a live program. And that after six, seven weeks, we train people one-on-one. And so a lot of career pivoters are joining the program and they're, they're the same way as, as you. Like they're, I want to try it all. I just want to work in marketing. I like programmatic a lot. I like I like paid social. I like search. I just want to do it all. Maybe I'll try some marketing. But like, if you're listening to this and you're in the market, it's really important that you niche down as much as possible and focus on that one branch for now. Does not mean that you have to stay 
just in programmatic or just in search or just in email marketing, which is also very different than the paid advertising world. It's very important that you you kind of want to master one of the skills and then move on to the other. That's how you find a job a little bit easier because I have a couple of students that tell me like, oh, I'm getting... I'm getting, I'm getting interviews from different recruiters, but it's more like a paid marketing. I mean, a marketing job where I do everything a little bit programmatic. And I always cautious, like that, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to do. Marketing is a lot. <laughs> so when you niche down to only social, paid social, to only search first, at least first, again, it's, it's like getting into, uh, getting your feet wet and getting that early experience, it will get it will help you move forward a little bit faster. And so it's really great that you had a mentor to help you really understand like, yo, these are your strengths. And I love what you said about soul searching because sometimes it's just that. Like we spend one third of our, at least Americans spend one third of their time at work. Okay. And the other quarter of our life that we spend, that we have is sleeping. Okay. So if you're going to spend one third of your life doing like work, try to work within your strength, understanding your strength, you know? So I'm a big fan of like tests like disc assessment or like Clifton strength finder. It sounds like a personality test where you have questions and you have to answer them, but like it really hones in of like what you said, like you're creative, you're analytical, you're this and that. But like you, th- you know what it is, but like they get, put it into perspective and they really clarify things in your mind. So, so make sure you continue doing the self-discovery if you're listening to this message, basically, because it's important. Like a job is great, but like a job can become like a passion. You can really be great at it if you're really working within your strength. You know what I mean? It doesn't always Jobs don't only pay the bills. It is important, very important. It helps us survive <laughs> and we get to eat and travel. But like when you do do that work and then you're really passionate about, like you said, it just makes it too, you know, your nursing, your nursing uh, experience and now programmatic. So that is great. I love that. Yeah. And um, just to backtrack a little while I was soul searching, like mm-hmm. I, I was pretty desperate trying to like figure out myself sometimes you just don't know yourself as much as you Mm -hmm. think you do. Um, And I actually found a book on Audible. It's Mm -hmm. called Hashtag Entry Level Boss. And yeah, Entry Level Job. Let me double check. (laughs) Yeah. Hashtag Entry Level Boss. Mm -hmm. And that book really, really helped me um, take a step back and really understand who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. And then it also made me realize my ADHD is really bad. <laughs> I um, and it's, it's perfect for programmatic though, because it, programmatic is constantly changing. There's always something it's that has to be changed. Something, yeah, it's all over the place. And I'm like a jazz song. There's no rhyme or reason. And for me, that works perfectly. Sometimes there's, sometimes there's a rhyme or reason. There's always a rhyme or reason, but it always just happens sporadically. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's so true with this. It is really very much over the place, but only from a organizational perspective, right? Because we use technology and tools and it's up to us to make it organized out, I guess, for lack of better words here. 
Um, but you're right. It does help. I know for a fact I have some level of either dyslexia or ADHD or both. Right. But of course, <laughs> our parents did not believe in these. So I went my whole life <laughs> averaging like what? C plus maybe in school. And then I realized like, oh, actually, I, my strength is this. And in school, I used to be told, you know, stay quiet. You're not the captain of the team. So you don't get to encourage somebody. And I'm like, but that's my strength. I, I, I'm very good at encouraging and inspiring people. It's just what I, I do. I get it. I get it. I think it's a good, uh, to actually have a future guest. His name is Rowdy. He's going to come talk about uh, specifically working in the field, having ADHD and I can't wait. So if you're in this situation, stay tuned because Rowdy is going to come on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. But let's segue into every guest that comes on the podcast. I like to ask them their definition of programmatic advertising given to a five-year-old. But I'd love to ask you, how would you explain what you do your day-to-day to a five-year-old? That's hard because my go-to <laughs> For adults is it's kind of like the stock market, but for ad placements, kids don't know the stock market. Let me yeah. think. Hmm, this is good. <laughs> okay. For for a five year old, I would describe it as you know those commercials that are on YouTube when you you're watching or on Hulu, and they're always changing. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they might send you hate mail after that because my daughter maybe just a little bit. <laughs> My daughter's like, oh, mommy, commercials. Okay, uh, Jade, you're only three, girl. Those commercials are paying yeah, for the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> you better recognize, put some respect on it. That's actually pretty good. So what are some of... Uh... Hi, did you know that at Ellen Parker Consulting, we now offer an accelerator program where we attract recruit and train future marketers. And their training include a six weeks program where they cover programmatic landscape, um, industry, important industry trends, the differences between targeting placement and targeting mix and their best practices, including optimization and reporting hacks. Um, And they're able to set up, manage and monitor a campaign, a demo campaign in the trade desk, everything including audience selection, inventory optimization, SPO, creative upload, brand safety, you name it. They're able to do it at the end of the six weeks program. So if you are part of the 90% of employers struggling to find a skilled candidate today and not willing to spend $14,900 on a bad hire, according to Zipia, give us a call. Let's discuss which one of our five to 10 juniors available every month is the perfect fit for your team. Clients who have hired our juniors have shared that we were able to help them save one to two months on boarding with those juniors. Give us a call right now and let's discuss the solution with you. So what are some of the transferable skill sets you're using every day in programmatic that maybe you used as a nurse? And also like give us an example like, oh, I remember doing this at the hospital and now I do this from this perspective. Yeah. Yeah. We, this specifically, I remember clearly when I first started at my company, Mm -hmm. um, I was being trained and my director was telling me, oh, this drug, we're targeting African-Americans. Not sure why, but 
we all, there's something behind it. I'm not sure. And <laughs> I looked at him like, oh, I know exactly why. <laughs> and he was like, oh, could you explain further? And I explained to him like, well, without getting into details, it's a medication for sickle cell. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it, it is more prominent in the African-American community because oh, wow. of malaria. And if, if someone has sickle cell, mm-hmm. they won't get malaria, but it's a catch 22. It's, yeah. it's darned if you darned, if you don't. So mm-hmm. it was a little piece of evolution that was, it was a science project and it didn't work out. And unfortunately, because of that, there are lots of um, a big part of a very large portion of the population that does have sickle cell and it does affect their daily lives. Yeah. It's very painful, painful. especially of any like, and yeah, very painful. And um, yeah, I gave him that explanation. He was just like blown away. He was just like, whoa, this is your first day and you're teaching <laughs> me. And I actually went a little bit further and I was like, you know what, honestly, you could even go a little further and, you know, target uh, like Italian or Sicilian population because Sicilians are mixed with Ethiopians Mm -hmm. and they can have as well. It's a smaller portion, but it can happen. Wow. Um, But yeah, that, um, so our targeting with any like medical background. Yeah, it's kind of nice, like really being able to pull out my nursing degree and um, using it as a background. There are multiple times where uh, one of my medications where I actually pulled out the drug book and Carlos is like, what is that? (laughs) It's like huge. And he's trying to like make a document, trying to do a breakdown. I was like, yeah, let's pull it up and pull up my books. (laughs) And um, really validates owning them because sometimes I look at them like, Ooh, they're collecting a lot of dust, <laughs> but yeah, it keeps me on my toes. It's kind of nice. <laughs> it is so fascinating because one of my questions for like medical clients, pharma, healthcare specific, there are a lot of restrictions when it comes to targeting. So I wanted you to just give us like your best practices. If anyone listening is like working, pitching, managing an account where they have I don't know what would be the product like a pharma would be, you know, drug or a medicine or something or healthcare would be like a hospital network. So if they're working in that field, like what would be your best practices when it comes to audience targeting? How would you what, what would be like three things you want them to remember? It's never one to one. Never, ever. There's always everyone is grouped together. Mm-hmm. So we can never pinpoint who we're targeting exactly, which is nice. And also all the clients, so um, all the vendors we work with are all um, HIPAA compliant. Okay. So that we want to make sure that we're protecting um, patients, their caregivers, um, doctors, everything like that. Mm -hmm. It's our number one priority is to make sure that we are not making someone feel uncomfortable seeing those ads. So that's our biggest target when it comes to um, audiences to make sure that they are not like zeroed in on. What about creatively? Like, I, I know the creative, the creative message cannot say, 
are you african-american you have higher chances of having sickle cell like i know that for a fact right because we can do that in the i ran a, a handful of healthcare and also um i always compare healthcare and education or early childhood education because of the amount of restriction creatively but also like from just like a targeting perspective like i remember working with the child care network and we cannot say like we cannot say something like is your child between the age of three to five or we had to speak as if we were talking to the parent but like we couldn't we couldn't really talk to the kid basically is that yeah. something like what what's the differences like when you're running a creative message in healthcare versus like the rest of the world yeah um when it comes to pediatrics yeah you pretty much nailed it on the head you speak we're speaking more to the parent than the child because the parents are still making decisions for the child they can't make big life life changing decisions when it comes to medications um, so at one point when we, um, were doing a pediatric campaign, we made sure that it was actually aimed towards the caregivers and mm. not so much the child. Got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So before we go into our closing segment, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions about what have been like some really exciting things happening in your day-to-day, -day. like, oh, well, from a programmatic media trader, like it's really cool when we do this. And like the other day I handled this with a campaign or I don't know, a client. And that was, that really made me proud. That made me happy. That made me maybe stressed, but it was worth it because I felt like this. Like, can you share a scenario or like a case, a case by case where you really felt like this? Now, if it happens every day, kudos to you. Um, and it should happen more often than not. But like, when is the latest then? What is, when, when was the la latest time you had this feeling? The latest time I had that feeling, I had, I had two. One of them was a, or we have two, we have a video department and they were trying to work out a direct deal with a company mm -hmm. that they didn't want our ads run on. Mm -hmm. And I rose my hand and I was like, let's go do a workaround for a medical deal. <laughs> and because of that, I gained my whole like previous budget. So I pretty much doubled my budget, which is mm -hmm. awesome. Wait, what was the um, just from, said? The company didn't want to do a direct deal oh, okay. with us. So programmatically, I was like, we can do a workaround and have it run with programmatic instead okay. of doing a direct deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it works out. Yeah. And then um, another one was, we're currently not running on any podcasts. Mm -hmm. So um, that one's in the works, hoping by mid-year, mm -hmm. getting podcasts to be run, um, running our ads. So, yeah. That's cool. Podcast advertising is really good. Um, that's really cool. All right. So in our closing segment, I usually ask... Uh, a fun fact about yourself. So your whole story is a fun fact to me, but is there anything you want to share with, <laughs> with the listeners or the YouTube viewers? Something like fun, a fun fact about yourself. Is it marketing based or like life based? It could be either. It could be both. Um, it could be two fun facts. Let's see. <laughs> a fun fact, life wise, I thought this was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, in a five month span, 
I ended up going to three Disney parks on two different continents. Yeah. <laughs> Which are they? Which one? <laughs> and why? Oh, in September 20. 20- um, I don't know. I, it's funny. It was not planned. It just happened. So it was September, 2022, we went to Paris to see my yeah. family and we went to D- Disneyland Paris. And then in December, we went to my husband's family in LA. We went to Disneyland. And then this past February, it was my friend's bachelorette party. And we went to Disney world so <laughs> in Florida. Band, it was three. Okay. Okay. Let <laughs> yeah, me ask you that. Uh, and let me ask you this, okay? And we're probably going to receive some hate mail for this, but which park is the best? And the reason why I'm asking is because we went just this last summer, early in July, we were visiting family in Paris. And then we were going to take a day just to, to go to Disney Paris. But they all told us like, no, you have the one in LA and Florida. They're much bigger. This one is not as, you know, you're going to get bored in this one after going to the LA one or to the Florida one. Like I've only been to the park in Florida, not in LA. So like we just did something else that was more Parisian, I guess. So since you've done all three of the parks, which one is your favorite? Why is the Parisian one? If the one in Paris kind of like, oh, it's like a condensed, more condensed, small, like smaller park or whatever. Tell me everything. Tell me your reviews. There's pros and cons for every single one. Um, The castle in France is way better. The LA one, you look at it and you're just like, oh, what is this? It's so (laughs) tiny. Um, But they, I on it, this sounds bad. I liked the one in France more because of the timing we went. Um, It was the first week of school. And in France, parents get fined if their kids are not in school, if it's not a sickness related thing. Yeah. So when we were the one in Paris, there was no lie. <laughs> there was no lie. It was so good. We just went on every single, we went to every single thing and the parks are right next to each other. So you don't yeah. have to take a trolley. You don't have to take a tram. You just, they're right next to each other. And um, yeah, I like the France one. And also it's really, really convenient because there's a subway stop that's like right there and yeah yeah yeah. That's any, where we, yeah and anybody can get there you just you're on the subway and you're like there's mickey like neck on the subway sign like it yeah. like a five-year-old could get there yeah and yeah. it was just easy. <laughs> you're right i, I like the paris one all right so next time we go back i'm not gonna listen to family i told them like if we come back with my daughter because it was just us adults this time around uh, we'll definitely go. I don't care what they say. They're like, no, don't yeah, do we'll definitely go. We'll definitely go just Shakespeare. And so you're right. Okay, well. Enjoy it. Don't let anyone influence you. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we did do some shopping after that. And I mean, instead of going to the park and that was really fun too. Um, oh, so yeah. we went outside of the park, you know, there's like restaurants and shopping sent like right outside and then we went towards another outlet after that so we did have a lot of fun right as adults we're still like pretty enjoyed but um all right cool so this this is decided next time we go with the kid or not we'll definitely the kids or not we'll definitely definitely hit some of the parts and it's Um, cheaper just so you know is it really cheaper i would think i would think like it's uh more expensive because it's paris I, well, I was also there when the euro was almost one-to-one with the U.S. dollar. So it was, it was cheaper. And then also we have an international credit card. So it ended up being cheaper than Florida. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm, yeah. Even uh, the, my, 
My husband has um, a few credit cards where the points, if we swipe internationally, like comes out to two, three extra dollars or per, you know, per points. And it's like, yeah, I just bought this trip free almost because of all the points we did last summer <laughs> during this trip or three years ago when we were in Africa doing this trip. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> you know how to play the game and we deserve to play the game like this and get rewards because we work hard and we spend a lot of money with these credit cards. Okay. Shoot. Oh yeah. Might as well just milk it for what you can. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So last question I would like to ask is leave us with a word of wisdom. What is something you know now that you wish you knew maybe two years ago and that you would want everyone listening, starting or at different level of expertise, honestly, to know? Um, to always stay humble. You're never, uh, you're gonna, it's hard to be an expert in something that's always changing. Um, keep an open mind and always be excited to learn and, um, absorb whatever you can. Um, yeah. Oh, wait, that's a Kendrick Lamar thing. Well, you can stay humble for me too. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar is fine. He's approved of the podcast. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was such a pleasure for you stopping by. Um, thank you so much. If anybody wants to keep in touch, how can they do that? Can we share? Um, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. Oh, of course. Okay, cool. So Gulshan's LinkedIn will be in the description of this video or in your podcast show notes. Or as always, you can always email us, tweet us, do whatever you want on social media, and then we'll make sure to put you in contact with her. But thank you so much. You are so inspiring. Not so much because, you know, you've You've switched from a very different career uh, at such an early, uh, younger age too. Like you didn't wait fifties to realize like, no, I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Um, but I think the biggest thing why I'm so honored you came on the podcast is because you prioritize you first, um, which is something it's this hard. Not a lot of people do that. We allow our environment, our everyday life, our everyday struggles, our daily struggles to just take us to another part of ourselves that that's not true to us, right? That's not true to our hearts. And you were make you made sure to like, uh-uh, I'm gonna try to fix this or I'm trying to pivot. And you're still pivoting and you're still learning because life is a journey, it's not a destination. So kudos to you. We're so honored you stopped by. And then of course we'll have her back on the podcast, hopefully in the next few months so that she can tell us everything else we need to know about healthcare, medical, or just come tell us which Disney park she decided to visit next. Is there more of Disney park? Hoping- yeah, there's one in Japan, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. There's one in Japan, Shanghai, and Beijing. I'm hoping to get to Tokyo soon. Okay, That's cool. Well, but, it's, but as soon as she goes and come back, then she'll come back and tell us which one she rates as the best out of the four. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for stopping by.